Hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for December has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5 and they really are tremendous. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know that you heard about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Broom. And I'm Donna Sorensen. And uh, I'd like to start this show by um, quoting you a tweet that we received this week um, from a reader called uh, Jonas Pupa. And um, he says, and again, I I repeat, I quote, "Um, Well, neither of you got it exactly right, but I'd have to say that Ian Broom got closer to the correct pronunciation. Oh, yeah. It hurts me to start a podcast like this, a podcast episode. It really does. I'm just going to say you won the battle, but you haven't won the war. Because there is a war. There's a pronunciation war now between us that you have just inflated there with that. <sighs> I, I can only deal in facts, and that is a... <laughs> that's a the me- fact is, neither of us were any good at pronouncing Jonas Pupa's name, but apparently you did it slightly better last week because I refused to pretend to be Finnish. I, was, I wasn't pretending to be Finnish. I was, just, <laughs> I was just listening to how the person whose name it is pronounced it and repeating it back. All of this started because Jonas sent us a listener's question, which we were very grateful for, weren't we? And out of all of this, that is the most important thing. We are very grateful to have Jonas as a listener and all our listeners who send us questions. Is that not right, Ian? Uh, it's absolutely right. And, um, and we've been talking about uh, listeners' questions on Twitter, sort of, not really, but... Just talking about um, uh, whether we should use some hashtag mechanism, and by that I mean a hashtag, to try and encourage more conversation. Because you know, there's, there's, um, you know, we're not the biggest podcast in the world, Donna. I don't mind. Not yet. <laughs> not ex- well, exactly. <laughs> um, but you know, we are, we are, uh, we we have uh, strength in in some numbers, and uh, it seems like. Uh, an opportunity. I mean, lots of people ask about writing groups and, you know, how do you get support for your writing? How do you get feedback and all that kind of thing? And I've always said, go to your local, <laughs> you know, find a writing group or or do something in real life or online. Um, but I've never really thought that about sort of trying to encourage listeners, that's you hmm. folks, to um, to kind of come together and have a chat. And that could involve me and you, Donna, or maybe it doesn't. Maybe me people you know make pals separately from the show and uh, do their own thing so it, we've been trying to i think our attempts at a facebook page was that was me kind of thinking can we have a more of a, a right for your life writing community outside of me and you talking and people listening on their own separately um but we found quite quickly as as uh, uh, slightly older listeners will know that facebook is still useless and, um, and but it's also not that not the right kind of place for that kind of interaction. I mean, this this would be great if if everybody was just like responding to questions or suggestions. Use the little hashtag, man. It's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I, that, exactly right. I don't think we can provide a full writing group service here. What we no. but what we could do is is uh, is uh, is share 
me, you, and anyone who wants to join in with us is kind of share a single place on Twitter, which seems to be the most sensible place to do it, um, uh, the hashtag WFYL, where you can just go on and say, hey, has anyone... Uh, has anyone got some good, uh, you know, good ideas, good tips on uh, how to uh, accept feedback better? Because I keep seeing the red mist, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, <laughs> and we can yeah. we can all pile in and go. Oh yeah, you should do it like this. I'll just chill out, man. Whatever. Mm. Um, well, hey, can anyone think of a word that rhymes with purple? Exactly. Good questions like that. Um, <laughs> so, um, so well, I don't know. Are we saying this is a thing? WFYL hashtag is the thing. So if you want to kind of just, even if you just want to pop up there, say hello to me and Donna or just everyone and just say, oh, you know, this is who I am and this is what I write. Looking forward to the chat, (laughs) that kind of thing. Um, We thought we might uh, just put the idea out there and give it a go. So obviously it's up to to me and you, Donna, I think, to not to moderate or anything like that. I don't think that's necessary unless something terrible happens. I don't think we can be res- <laughs> I don't think we can be responsible for an entire hashtag, but you know, we will play an active part and 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 follow the um follow the stream and and try and you know be a, a very active part of it as well. But obviously yes. it, it it might not happen. Maybe people don't want that, but um, we're saying it's there if you want it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it, that's that's the thing about it, isn't it? It's always there. So when people want it, they can use it. It doesn't mean it has to be used all the time. Now, it we, was somebody else's hashtag that we nicked, wasn't it? Yes, that's that's what I <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Now you may some you may see some uh, tweets which belong to a, uh, a youth charity, but uh, you know, ignore them. They're just idiots. Yeah, we're trying to help people here. Back <laughs> off our hashtag, seriously. Um, yeah. No, in, in genuine seriousness. Um, I, they stopped using it about a year ago, so I think we're fair game for hashtag WFYL. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, oh, so, yeah. oh, very exciting. Good. Um, I would just quickly like to feedback from last week, uh, also related to Twitter. That last week I was talking about um, films. Oh, yes, where poems were quoted, and I couldn't think of that many examples. And I did ask on Twitter, and there was a good example that Sarah Maria Griffin tweeted she's actually a writer that i know from ireland who has now relocated herself and her other half to san francisco hello sarah if you're listening um at grifsky she says somewhere i have never traveled by ee e. cummings is in hannah and her sisters and it gets michael kane again reading it so uh so i yeah i might have a watch of hannah and her sisters and see what it's all about and whether i, I don't know about woody allen that's a whole other discussion we could get into isn't it but there we go. Just wanted to feedback about that. It's a good piece of feedback. <laughs> well, you know, it's great to have people writing to us on Twitter. I, I thoroughly enjoy that contact. Absolutely. And um, and there's, I've had some very minor chat about Serial, the podcast we talked about last week. Oh, um, yeah. Uh, and when, I, when I spoke to you last week, Donna, I, I'd listened to three episodes of Serial and uh, I don't think you'd listened to any, had you? Yes, I had. Oh, you had. No, sorry, you listened to the first one. Is that right? How dare you? How dare you? Yes, I had. <laughs> um, and now I've listened to seven, I think. Okay. Well, the... Uh, You're all the way through, are you? Well, yeah, the, the latest episode came out but hours ago, and I've already gobbled it up. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? It is good. Well, tell me. Tell, I, I, was, I kind of shared my thoughts on it last week. What, what, do you, what's your, what are your opinions? What's your opinion? Um, I am completely hooked and I always cycle to work and at the moment I have the privilege of using our car 
which is lovely for a few weeks. Um, and so I'm just using that car drive to work and back. As soon as I go down the steps, I'm getting ready to, to play cereal and then I'm playing it in the car. So I have it on the way to and from work and um, I'm just, I'm thoroughly hooked. Um, and I had a, well, I won't, it's not going to be a spoiler, don't worry, but a moment where I was like, hey, today in the car. <laughs> I was thinking that's amazing that that can make me do that. I just, um, I'm really enjoying the, the the pace of it, the fact that, you know, you can digest it over a longer period of time and not just be like, you know, I mean, even Postman Pat these days is too much of, something's happening now, oh my God, left, right, oh, there's a helicopter, quick, deliver it down, uh. and it's just not always necessary, is it? Not when you're on your post round, I mean, it's... Uh... <laughs> oh, who needs a helicopter, seriously, to deliver stuff like people's hats and stuff, or, or school supplies? Well, I'll tell you who needs a helicopter, there's only one postman in the entire world who needs a helicopter, and that is Postman Pat himself, because he's the most inept, idiotic postman anyone's ever employed. Selfish as well, he's selfish, and he's irresponsible, but that's a whole other story. How, how he's still in a job, I will never know. I know, it's amazing. Um... So yeah, so but there, there is it already on season two serial? No, 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 no. So they've um, uh, it's uh, we're in the middle of well, I don't know if we're in the middle, but we're 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 on season one still very much. It's still the same, the same story. Uh, the the stuff that about season two is the, is the fact that they uh, they the, the show is sponsored as we talked about last week. It's kind of also got the backing of This American Life. Um, and, mm. and the uh, Chicago-based radio station that I don't remember the full name of. Um, WBEZ Chicago. Indeed. Um, you know, so it has it has that, but they've also asked for, uh, actively asked for funding. You know, they asked. I'm currently reading Amanda Palmer's The Art of Asking, and I like it. Um, more about that in future weeks, I suspect. And, mm. um, and, and the fact that Loads, loads of people have, lots of listeners have said, yes, we're happy to pay and help you make a second series. Um, they are going to make a second uh, season of a, of a serial. So that's kind of why season two has cropped up on the website and been mentioned and things. I see, I see. Okay, but they're still, yep, good. Well, I'm, I'm really glad to know there's, there's more episodes of this season because it's a story that, um, yeah. It's well, great, I won't isn't it? say more about it. It's yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. And and do you do you understand what I said last week about the fact that it is basically kind of investigative journalism, but the technique used to deliver it and sort of present it to the world is very much rooted in fiction and storytelling and all that kind of jazz. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And um, you know, they're very aware of that as well. You know, in the way that they that they present different experts that are helping them. They're you know saying. Weird. They are very aware that they're telling the story. They are the storytellers, but they have to have gone out and find that found that story for themselves and unravel it because otherwise you can't tell it. Well, she says that they spent a year researching it, and uh, mm. so yeah, so it's great. Um, yeah, and exciting for the future of podcasts. It could well be. Also, exciting for the future of podcasts is uh, the whole sponsorship model that people use. That's a terrible link, but I'm, I'm going to go with it anyway, because <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's because uh, I'm delighted to say that we have two sponsors this week, and I'm going to talk about the first one here. The thing I like about both of these sponsors, one of them, and the one I'm going to read now, is, uh, uh, is Backblaze, who have sponsored us before. We have another sponsor called uh, Day's Work, um, and both of them are very applicable to loads of people, but the writers of the world especially. So um, that is always exciting. 
So let me tell you a bit more about Backblaze. Backblaze is uh, absolutely wonderful, fantastic, you should definitely go and check it out, online backup service. It gives you unlimited online backup for your Mac or for your PC, because I know an awful lot of writers are using PCs, even though last week you accused me personally of being some kind of Apple fanboy. doesn't matter what you use, Mac or PC, you can get unlimited online backup with Backblaze. And um, and I think this is something that we all need, because it, it, we, we kind of think it will never happen, but it does. It does happen to people. Computers crash, hard drives get stolen, earthquakes happen, and... Uh, and uh, Perhaps more frequently, um, we lose things. Files go missing and all of a sudden we're absolutely distraught about it. And I don't think that's too strong a word. I've had things go missing and it really is awful. So how does Backblaze work? Well, you uh, download an app and it backs up all of the data on, on your computer, which... May take a little while initially. It takes, you know, maybe could even take up to a week just to get all of that information. You know, people have a lot of data these days because it takes everything on your computer. But once it's there, it's extremely it just happens. It happens in the background. It's not even like you have to wait or even check on it. You just know that your computer is being backed up all of the time. Uh, even better, you can access it anywhere. So you can just go online to the browser, or you can use your mobile phone. Uh, whether you're on Android or iPhone, doesn't matter what, uh, you can go and access your files, even though they're kind of backed up in the cloud, you can just go on and get them. So I say all of your computer is backed up, and that's because it is. It includes your movies, your music, photos, videos, uh, PowerPoints, all of your data. And of course, like I say, if you're a writer, this is terribly, terribly important because you have your latest novel, your work in progress, the thing that's going to turn you into the next J.K. Rowling or something similar. Um, It's all on there, and imagine if that went missing, it would be utterly heartbreaking. So you need something like Backblaze to get yourself sorted and make sure that doesn't happen. Backblaze store over 100 petabytes of data, which is an extremely large amount, um, and they've already recovered over 7 billion files for their customers. Hard drive restores, if something goes wrong, you can buy them, so they'll send you an entire hard drive if you need to get something back. However, if you want to do it all by the web, then it's completely free. There are no add-ons, no gimmicks, no extra charges. All you need to do is go and get a free trial by going to backblaze.com slash write, and that's W-R-I-T-E, as you might imagine. And, um, and then it's just $5 a month per computer for completely unlimited backup. And, um, and it works like lightning, once it's all up there, absolutely like lightning. It just happens in the background. You don't need to worry about your work. You don't need to worry about your writing. It just happens. So, like I say, go and get your risk-free, no credit card required, fully featured, two-week trial uh, by going to backblaze.com slash write. And, um, and I suggest you do it immediately. Thank you to Backblaze for supporting... Yes, indeed, you. indeed. For supporting <laughs> not just 5x5, five five, but of course, this very show, Right for Your Life. And yeah, so what else have uh, we been up to this week? It feels like uh, it's felt like a busy week. Did I did I tell did I mention last week that I've that I bought an bought an iPad? <laughs> I no, I I don't I don't remember. I didn't. You mention have mentioned it. it at some point. Well, I've owned an iPad from the very first iPad, and I think there is a misconception, certainly within my household, when I have to try and do some persuading as to whether I should get new ones, um, is that I've had loads. But this is actually only my third iPad, he says, in a very kind of, I believe the term is first world kind of way. Um, But I've had an iPad mini for a couple of years, and we've talked in the past about the old real-life Pomodoros and trying to get writing done in short pockets of time. Well, I've used my iPad mini to do that. Because I've been using it to write, 
on. And the truth is, the iPad Mini is fine. And I've always said that all you need really to write is a keyboard and a screen. And, you know, the iPad Mini definitely provides that. But a combination of things led me to deciding to basically sell the iPad Mini and a few other items so that I could afford uh, a new iPad. I knew that I didn't want to buy kind of an expensive laptop because, you know, I have my main computer, which I use for most things. But I just wanted something that I can write on. And I've always liked the iPad for writing because of the, uh, you know, you can only use one app at a time. So once your writing's there, you know, you have to put some effort in in order to kind of procrastinate. Um, it still happens, but, you know, mostly your writing is all you can see on the screen, which I find quite useful. So it was the fact that I just thought, you know, I'm using the iPad to write, I'd like to have the bigger screen, so I bought a full-size iPad. Um, but there's also something about workspaces that I've that I've come to, uh, I guess, come to question. <laughs> like I say, I've always said it doesn't really matter where you write or what kind of writing situation you have, what tools you have. And I, I mean, I still stand by that, that is kind of true, but I think the, the more I've changed, the more my life's changed, the more I've... Um, realize that though that may be true there are some workspaces which are helpful for writing and there are some that are less helpful for writing and without going into detail I know for a fact that um, like me you your computer where you write is in your master bedroom is it not <laughs> yep and how do you find that because you know I've, I've it's been we've we've lived in this house for a couple of years now um, nearly three years and my writing space is, you know, I, I sit here right now in the corner of, of my bedroom and we're a three-storey house, we're in the attic, so I'm a long way away from any other human beings. And I've, I've found it quite difficult and, um, and I, I've, because my computer is a desktop computer, I can't pick it up like a laptop and go and sit at the kitchen table downstairs and do it. And so I, that's part of the reason that I put, I've justified buying a, a new iPad is to give myself the freedom to write in, in not just kind of on a small screen kind of way, but write properly um, mm. elsewhere in the house. Um, yeah. But yeah. I know what you mean about it. it's nice to be separated, but not too far away, like because you want to be able to kind of know what's going on if you need to. Or I, yeah, I enjoy sitting where I'm sitting at the moment, but mainly because I've got a massive, great big screen to look into. And as soon as that I'm focused on that, I don't think so much about where I am. But um, but I guess I really miss work. when I lived in Ireland. I, I made myself a little cubby hole with loads of uh, rubbish that I, I mean, that doesn't sound very appealing. Loads of uh, scrap things that I'd collected that I put all around on the wall of the cubby in a little lamp. And I got a lot, lot of writing done there. Uh, and and I've previously had uh, my own special office before we had children and in previous houses we just had either more rooms because we were renting so mm. uh, we had more rooms or um or um well yeah we didn't have children <laughs> so um so it was fine I did I, I almost always had an office in fact of of some sort it was probably all you know in, in a couple of houses we lived in it was also the guest bedroom um but, you know, very rarely had guests. It was effectively my office. But since we've been here um, and since we've had children, we have two bedrooms. One is our bedroom. The other one is their bedroom. And, you know, they tend to go to bed before me. So, um, so you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the corner of, of the bedroom. I'm not complaining. I mean, it's nice. I've got a lovely kind of desk. I've got a lovely computer. I know, but, but you can't do that waking up at night and going, oh, I need to write that. Or staying up 
late tippy tapping yeah. on my keyboard because someone else is in the yeah. room. It's rude. It's not rude. We tell you no. It, it How is rude. rude. How rude. <laughs> he is a bit rude. Tippy tapping. Yeah. Um, I know exactly what you mean. I, I do like the freedom of, of being able to take my writing around with me. I think a lot of people would, would agree that that's how they feel too. Well, congratulations on your purchase. Guess what colour we got? Um, purple. Sorry, that was in my head because I said about the word rhyming with purple. Uh, we, we got the gold one. You didn't. Have you noticed how I've changed sort of a key clause in my sentences from mm. I and my iPad to we, to we got a gold Absolute. one? Yeah. yeah, that's good. It's appropriate. I, I, I quite like it. Oh, it's nice. But you, you can only see it's gold when it's closed, presumably. No, the back's gold. It's got a gold back. It's like a, That's not going to help anybody. You can't look at that either. You can if you show them the back. <laughs> Well, it's all very exciting. Anyway, it's uh, it's mainly exciting for me, probably for no one else. But it just is a it just the the reasons for getting one and how I've justified it to myself is a is kind of a result of thinking about writing workspaces. And I know that a lot of people have laptops these days, so you kind of do have the option to move around and do what you want. I haven't had that, and um, and and I I didn't think it bothered me. But the more I started doing work on my smaller iPad, and I thought, I quite like sitting at the kitchen table every now and again. Mm. And, and we have my old, my, my granddad's old bureau that was next to him for years and years and years. We have that now. Uh, I haven't stolen it. It's dead, don't worry. Um, and it's lovely. We can I can write, just, you know, pull the lid open and then put my iPad and the keyboard on there and, and uh, boot up by word and off I go. And it syncs to Scrivener. Maybe this is for a future episode, but I've got my iPad syncing up to Scrivener. Um, so that what I write downstairs on the iPad, automatically I come upstairs, look at the main computer, and kaboom, it's already there in my Scrivener area. Magic. Absolute magic. Writing magic. Indeed. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what the uh, takeaway about that is for anyone, uh, apart from to say that don't get stuck in your ways. Things change. If you feel a certain way about your writing process... Um, and you have done for a long time, then, you know, maybe you should try things differently. Maybe Shake it up. Shake it up a little bit. Shake, shake, shake it up. Mm, absolutely. Cool. Well, I shook it up this week. I went and I did a poetry reading. You did a poetry reading? I did. In, in, in Copenhagen, the, the, that, the notorious city where, <laughs> where, where no poetry readings take place. <laughs> well, uh, yes, I in know. In English. I know. Well, this was actually very interesting because it was um, it's a monthly uh, spoken word night, which ha- where people are reading both English and Danish, or you can choose. You don't you don't have to limit yourself to English or Danish. Um, and it was fascinating to see how everybody in the audience responded to to two different languages, um, and also for me, like listening to Danish poetry, I'm definitely not moved in the same way as I am. Like it's harder to move me with Danish poetry because. I mean, even even if I can understand and grasp the meaning, I'm just not as emotionally connected to it, I think. But anyway, it was it was really amazing, and it was packed room. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it wasn't wasn't a reading for myself, but uh, but it's always good fun to be part of a spoken word night, isn't it? You're a big fan. I'm a huge fan of spoken word nights. It's one of the things that I would recommend first to any any writer, you know, new, old, young, another word. Um, to just go out and and do it. it it's it's so good for your c- 
confidence. You really get to learn about your work, whatever it is that you read. You kind of you get to hear all the flaws or all the good bits. You see how an audience reacts to what you say, and you go through the, that kind of process of being absolutely terrified, and then the elation of having performed your writing in front of people. It can really keep you going if you're working on a long project like a novel. Um, yeah. uh, it's like if you if you go to a monthly spoken word night, then at least you get to you get some kind of physical tangible reward every month where you go and perform or or even if you don't perform on the night you go and chat to people and watch other people there's just something about being part of a community dare I say absolutely and I was talking because there were supposed to be some people there that I knew but I I crept in late and I it was so smoky and as our listeners may know I'm I'm quite pregnant very pregnant um and my immediate thought was oh this is so smoky and Oh, it's packed. I'm only poked in the corner. And is there anyone I know here? And oh, God, the list is really long. You know, and it's it's all of these things when you first get in there. But it's fantastic when I found people I knew because they knew other writers. And then we got talking. We're saying exactly that, that this is we can use this monthly uh, event to actually make sure that we've got new stuff to read every time. Um, And, you know, and see see other people there as well that Um, we know and get follow their progress. I, 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 are people still allowed to smoke indoors in pubs and, uh, ah, and public well, areas in, in Copenhagen? Or was this a very a, good question? Was it a secret snuff hole? <laughs> a secret snuff hole? It sounds like badgers, badgers writing or something, and underground animals gathering for poetry readings. Um, right, well, because of my day job, I know uh, a little the technicalities of this, but in Denmark, smoking is banned. Uh, in public areas as around the rest of the world um but if you have a pub which is under 40 square meters then you are actually allowed which is completely bizarre hang on if it's under a certain size yes so 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 if if there's potential for a fire and (laughs) and b extreme smokiness then you might as well just get on with it yeah but what this place had was because this is quite a a well-known little tiny jazz pub um they had like one of these do you remember places don't really have them anymore i don't think they had like a smoking booth of glass in the corner but one side of it was open (laughs) i was sat next to the side that was open thinking oh this is mad and is is it worth it is it worth it how how big was the booth i mean surely if if there wasn't some sort of uh, openness to one of the sides they would all just anyone in there would suffer some terrible smoke related uh, well let's say death well yeah i mean that's what that's what everyone says i don't think it's going to be sped up necessarily by standing in that thing because it's you know anyway it was it was smoky but it was worth it. I stayed. I read at the end. I got some great feedback. It's nice. When I was leaving, somebody stopped me outside that was having a fag outside. I don't know why they were doing that. There's a completely useless smoking corner cube. Uh, and they just said, uh, really enjoyed your poetry. It's great. So that's always nice feedback, isn't it? It's always fantastic feedback. And it's the sort of thing, like I say, that doesn't happen if you sit at home and don't go out and perform or speak to anyone or show your work. Absolutely. Um, and there were a couple of fantastic characters at this thing, as there normally are for spoken word nights. One girl who um, managed to keep quiet the whole night because there were a lot of readers. And um, 
And then when she got up, it was quite clear that she was so drunk. I've never seen, I mean, it was amazing that she managed to make it up onto the stage. Uh, I, she had her eyes closed the whole time and was kind of um, dribbling a little bit. <laughs> but then it just, I think it unlocked something in her after she'd managed to like read this little poem where she was talking about someone who'd broken her heart and then she was like carried back off the stage because then she was like the best spoken word night supporter of any reader ever. She was going, woohoo! great <laughs> for the corner it just like it really woken her up all the adrenaline of reading her work so it was good fun good i'm glad you uh i'm glad you went i'm glad you enjoyed it will you be going again if it's a monthly thing this is what you've been waiting for isn't it uh, i will i mean the whole smoky issue was a bit annoying based on the you know i mean it's i'm sure it's fine just for like a short thing but just one last thing i'd like to mention about the spoken word night do you not think that there should be if there is not some un- unspoken rule that you can't just leave after you've done your bit, that you have to you have to stay to the end because people go for an audience, you know, and you, you've gone for an audience. Don't then take a bit of the audience away with you and leave after you've read. Yes, I've seen it many times. I think it is the height of writerly rudeness and um, I can't quite believe people do it. I mean, I know that, you know, sometimes you might leave a gig early because you've got stuff to do. Maybe you've got work in the morning. Maybe you've arranged other things, but when people actually go and perform, especially early on, if they, yeah. if they perform early on, like get on stage, read their bit, and then because I've been and I've, the reason I've seen a lot of this because is because I used to be the compere at, uh, at Words Aloud, the spoken word night that I was uh, one of the organisers, and um, and so I would I would literally sort of you know say oh give give Steve a big round of applause and everyone would go oh well done Steve that's great clap 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 and then I would be on stage and I would be introducing the next person and out of the corner of my eye I see Steve Steve's <laughs> sneaking put, off he's put, Oi, Steve. he's put his coat on and he's having a little wander around the outside of the hey, excuse me <laughs> can I get past and I'm thinking I'm just, I just desperately wanted to, to kind of shout say Steve if we've had to listen to that <laughs> you need to listen to this yes. here's, here's Barbara give her a round of applause yeah Absolutely. Maybe we should, uh, yeah, yeah, get more compass to do that. Was that there was something I just really another quick little newsy bits and bob type thingy that I wanted to mention, um, and that is that um, I just saw that a, a poetry journal, a quite big and very well established poetry journal in Ireland, I've just seen literally tonight, is closing down. Uh, it's called the Shop, um, and I have had one poem published in it um, and it took a long time to get that poem published in there. They were not easy to get published in, but I just wanted to say that uh, I think it's, uh, you know, it's very sad to hear of it. Uh, it was basically um, a couple that have been doing it together for many, many years, Hillary and John Wakeman. Um, and I think they've just felt now it's, it's time to, to call it a day after a great service to poetry, but it's a big thing, you know, I mean, there are not a lot of, printed poetry journals left so I just wanted to mention that it's always good to support poetry journals if you can and not just to submit to them but also obviously to buy them if you can it's good to buy stuff in general that's been made by artists of any kind but you know yeah it's not always easy we're gonna I'm gonna do uh, a little uh, a little chat little chitty chat with you in um, a few minutes about that because it turns out that Kindle Limited might be having an adverse effect on um, the profits of authors, particularly indie authors, um, or at least they're the people who are actually complaining about it. I suspect that 
authors published traditionally don't have access to the same kind of figures, frankly. But um, yeah, it seems like it might be having some impact and we will talk about that in a second. Oh, okay. Why are we not going to talk about it now? Because I want to tell you all about our... (laughs) All about our our second sponsor. Um, And our second sponsor is Day's Work. And that's all one word, Day's Work. And the website is dayswork.co. And you should go and check out the site because there's loads of fantastic information on there. Um, and it was uh, created by, actually, um, a colleague. I think we can call him a colleague, despite having never met or spoken. Um, Andy Mangold, who is the host of uh, another 5x5 podcast called On The Grid. Anyway, Day's Work is for freelancers and for people who work in small companies. Now, that covers an awful lot of people, which means that it probably applies to you, dear listener especially if you're a freelance author, freelance writer. Now, this comes along, this sponsor slot comes along four days after I <laughs> return to the world of full-time employment, having been freelance over the last eight or nine months. However, I can say that had day's work have been, uh, 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 if I'd known about it uh, even just a week ago, I would have absolutely jumped at the chance to, uh, to use it. Because it's a fantastic way to track time and send invoices for, uh, like I say, freelancers and small companies. Um, And it was designed and built by a small company who were just kind of fed up by all the other time trackers that are out there. And indeed, I've tried a number of them and I've found them extremely frustrating. At times I would get some things to work, like I might get the time tracking element to work, but the invoicing system would be absolutely useless. And it seems to me that Day's Work has got it all spot on. Um, because it's a time-consuming process. I think that's the thing when you're a freelancer or a freelance writer, I guess, in our cases. It's an it's a essential requirement. You have to do all this stuff, and you have to make sure you do it all right. Having something that makes it as easy as possible is really important. Uh, Day's Work allows you to give every member of your organisation their own account, and there are no limits to that. And uh, You can control who can see and manage financials with admin and non-admin roles, so if you do run a small business, then that's going to be perfect for you. Um, it also allows you to adjust rates for every individual client, project and task if necessary. And I know I know, when I was freelancing not so long ago, I would have different rates for different clients and be doing different things. So something like that is really important. And it's available anywhere. It has international support. You can choose your own currency. There's a 12 or 24 hour clock and you can choose your own number formatting. So it's completely customizable. Um, You can hide and archive inactive clients or projects and employees to make sure that your interface is clean, but you still don't lose any of your information. This is a really important one. You can filter your reports by time, client, project, task or employee if you're a business owner, which gives you a better insight into your business. So important. Again, if you're a freelance, I, I only have the experience of doing it on my own, but it still applies. It's just having that ability to be able to see everything. So important. Really, really useful. And, and you can export your data at any time and uh, Day's Work will never lock you in and, um, and that's also important. It's secure. This is something that um, I think we all know is more and more important. Um, it's secured by SSL, which means that your payment and business information is uh, completely secure. That won't get lost. And, um, and it's a really simple, easy way to organise your clients and keep track of your business. So how do you find out about this? How do you go and sign up? Well, this is what you do. You need to go to dayswork.co slash join slash write and again that's w-r-i-t-e and uh, that will give you 20% off both monthly and yearly plans uh, and if you do it now if you get go straight there immediately well after the podcast is finished then you can get a free trial for 30 days no credit card required 
So you've pretty much got nothing to lose. So go for your free trial and then your 20% off both monthly and yearly plans you can go and get uh, just by going to the link, which I shall give you again. And that is dayswork.co slash join slash write. I'm, uh, I'm going to have a little go of the uh, trial anyway, because uh, I think it could still be useful for, you know, the bits and pieces I do. I'm not going to be a full time freelancer anymore, or at least not for the foreseeable future. But I'm, you know, I'm not going I'm still going to do the odd bits and pieces on the side, no doubt. So I'm still going to need some of these features. So um, I'm going to be doing this myself. So if, uh, if uh, you're a freelancer, or you work in a small company, I suggest you do too. Great. I've got two things to say about day's work. And as usual, you're going to see that they are high quality bits of uh, feedback or things to say. The first is I'm going to say day's work, you spell it D-A-Y-S work, not D-A-Z-E work. I know that sounds obvious, but I just think we should say it because, you know, it could be like a really cool way to write day's work. It's, it's a good point. I thought for a second there that I'd said it wrong, but... But no, no, you haven't. You haven't. We just didn't spell it out. And the second thing, also equally as useful for everybody, is that guy's got a great name. Andy Mangold. Yeah. It's true. I like it. I like the way it sounds. Mm. So that's it. That's all the feedback I have about day's work, but still sounds good. <laughs> it's good feedback. If that, doesn't, <laughs> if that doesn't encourage people to go and check them out, I don't know what will. <laughs> Do it for Andy Mangold. Indeed. Oh, right. Um... Had we not better do a listener's question before we talk about Kindle Unlimited? Okay. I'm all all for that. Great. Well, we had a listener's question, actually, that we wanted to get to from a little while ago, and it's from Bram Bresseliers. He asks, while writing, do you also compose how your writing should be read? What tone, pace, pauses? Do you hear it in your head? Now, we have talked about a bit about hearing uh, voices, characters' voices in our head, I believe, in past podcast episodes. Did we not do that? We have, we have touched on this slightly before, yes. Yeah, but, um, I mean, here, the only thing I wanted to say was just, I mean, reading aloud, absolutely everything. Do you read everything that you write aloud back to yourself after you've written it? Not obviously necessarily at the time, but at some point in time. Will you have read everything out loud that you've written? I don't think I could honestly say that I've read my entire novel out loud. Um, but any time I'm unsure about something, I will read it out. Yeah. I've, Maybe I've, that's it. Yeah. I've read a lot of it out. Yeah. I'm wondering whether that's a difference between poetry and fiction, because I'm pretty sure that most poets would say that they read absolutely everything they, they, they write out loud. And the, it's just vital. The idea of tone and pace and pauses, that's the reason to read it out loud, actually. It's very difficult to... I mean, I don't i don't hear it in my head. I, I, I mean, I really... I hear it in my heart. And Stop it. <laughs> oh, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> I have been sick. It's a terrible mess here. It's in our bedroom as well. Um, I... I um, you, you know, it's quite difficult to hear those things um, in your head. But I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer the question. Do you hear it in your head? Other than yes. Well, you did. You said no. Well, what I know. You, you just said no. I was being silly. Uh, uh, the answer is yes. I don't know where else I would hear it, and that, that's me being slightly sarcastic and rude to a listener. But I don't mean it in that way. I just I I, I I don't think we can help but hear it in our head, and that's kind of how it worked. I think. Hmm. That's funny because I yeah okay. I thought we came to the conclusion that we didn't always. Uh, yours and your kneecap? <laughs> we don't hear it, though. That's the thing. You you process it visually, but that doesn't necessarily mean you hear it. 
I think I do hear it. I think I, I don't. How, how, you, how do you do anything without hearing it in your head? Surely everything, when you're writing, you will, in order for it to transfer from your brain to your to the screen there has to be a iron goggles of... into your brain well I, I think maybe I mean I haven't thought about this at, at great length as usual and my feedback is you know obviously always still high quality I think about the analogy of you know sometimes when you're driving a car and you realize that you have been driving a car for a very long time without thinking about driving the car yes yeah I understand I, I understand that yeah, and that's the kind of difference between like watching and doing, and this is the same kind of thing with hearing and seeing your writing and the words being, I don't know, transmitted but, to your brain. Yeah, but I still think that I still think we should. I mean, we should just do some writing right now and find out what happens. But I still think that even though you can kind of get lost in what you're doing, which is the thing what you're what you're describing, I think that the actual physical process of brain to screen in between there is that that little voice in your head you know the one mm. um that it's is a little reading voice that literally reads it out and then you type it no mm. Mm. I, yeah i mean I'm, I'm saying i think sometimes you can consciously do it better than you do it if you're not concentrating you can consciously hear what you're saying where as opposed to when you're reading that little voice in the back tippy tapping away is you, I mean, you could say it's like a, it's a voice reading it out. My God, we're getting lost in this again now. I can't believe that we've managed to take this long to answer this question. I, um, can't, I can't believe that we've not been invited on the new the new scientist podcast yet. <laughs> uh, the little voice in your head, which I presume is with you all day, do you have do you have a name for it? Yes, Don, but the male Don, not Donna. Don. Yeah. D O N. Yeah. That's my alter ego. I like it. Yeah. Do you have an alter ego? Gary. Gary Gazza. Oh, that's great. <laughs> but he's not your writing voice, is he, Gazza? No, that's uh, Howard. Howard. <laughs> there, was, there was also, uh, I had Mark in there for a while, uh, but he's still there. Uh, Sounds like you had the Backstreet Boys in there. Oh, no, New Kids on the Block, that's what I was thinking. No, you're thinking of, well... I mean, if you're going to sort of step in the middle of a terrible joke, admittedly, then you've got to get the right boy band. It was Take That. Take That? Yeah, Howard. Howard Donald, Jason Orange, Mark Owen, Gary Barlow, and, of course, that lovable rogue, Robbie Williams. <laughs> I cannot believe you know. I am so, so proud that if anybody asked me to name all of the band members of Take That, I would struggle. That's I'm so proud of myself. That's interesting because your sister said exactly the same last weekend when I was listing them then. Yep. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. Really <laughs> we interesting. Better, we better finish off with Kindle Unlimited yeah, let's, quick let's before a... everyone gives up. Yeah. It's okay. All the conversation is going to move to hashtag WFYL anyway, so we're not going to be needed soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, so just I've noticed in my RSS reader uh, this week that uh, th th there's some unrest in the online writing community. And I, I say the online writing community because I think that's more inextricably linked with the indie writer community, so people who self-publish. Um, and that just happens to be where I've, you know, the articles I've read have been by them. But basically it seems that Kindle Unlimited, which is the four, five, five-month-old 
um, service from Amazon, where uh, or five month old in the in the US. I think it's more recent in the UK, where um, readers can pay a monthly fee and they can read any book they want in brackets that is part of the Kindle Unlimited uh, service, which is quite a lot of books. Um, and what I didn't realise is that if an author signs up to the to KDP, so the, uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, I think. I should know all this stuff. I apologise. Um, then um, they 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 automatically are opted in. You can't kind of say, "Well, I don't want to do that." You kind of, if you if you want to go through KDP, then you have to be part of Kindle Unlimited, and um, and uh, and that's kind of having an adverse effect on uh, sales. It would seem. So this article is is um, okay. This article is quoting. Uh, a guy called H.M. Ward might not even be a guy, in fact it's not it's a female person Um, and she writes that she withdrew her books because the average payment uh, per book had dropped to only $1.33 and her total revenues since Kindle Limited was launched had fallen by 75% which is a lot 5% yeah that's... 75%. 75%. Pressing. Yeah, that's what I said. Um, so she says, this is, this, is, uh, this is an article on the Digital Reader, which actually quotes H.M. Um, Ward. So I'll find her original piece as well and put it in the show notes. Where can we find the show notes? You can find the show notes at 5x5.tv slash WFYL slash 138. So H.M. Ward says, uh, I had my serials in Kindle Limited for 60 days and lost approximately 75% of my income. Uh, that's counting borrows and bonuses. My sales dropped like a stone. The number of borrows was higher than sales. They didn't complement each other as expected. Taking a huge-ass pay cut while I'm still working my butt off, well, that's not okay. And Kindle Unlimited affected my whole list, not just Kindle Unlimited titles. At the time of enrolment, I had about 60 titles total. I planned on giving it 90 days, but... Uh, and then she goes on to say, you know, well, she, she has a child in hospital. And... Um, and her income has just gone. So, I mean, I guess this is this is pretty serious news that for someone who yeah. is who is who is making a full time or even you know part time um, income out of um, uh, writing fiction and selling it on Amazon. And I, I say this with with absolutely no joy and no kind of sarcasm or, or kind of traditional publishers uh, or traditionally published authors glee. But the first thing I thought was. Um, maybe Amazon isn't an indie author's best friend after all. And it's always kind of struck me how dependent um, independent authors could end up being. I know that the sort of more savvy ones aren't, um, Mm. but ultimately Amazon has always been the place to be if you're an independent author. And, and maybe then maybe, maybe Kindle limited is the first step to kind of, well, I think it's, Maybe Amazon didn't know that it was going to affect some indie authors' sales so drastically, and maybe it hasn't affected, you know, a large proportion of authors. But I think ultimately there's this thing of of building what is essentially a company. You're writing in in H.M. Ward's case and various other indie authors' cases. You are you become a company and not just a writer, where you're entirely reliant on the stability and decisions of another company. Especially one like Amazon, who are so big, they don't care. You know, they don't care. <laughs> they don't no. care about 
any authors. They don't care about any publishers. They don't care about people who make um, kettles or or swing sets. You know, they are a corporation, a giant corporation, and uh, and they don't care. So it's I've whenever I've seen and I've seen many of these articles where indie authors are like you know Amazon or everything. I've always thought, well, they're everything at the moment. There is a future that might suggest they, you know, maybe in the future they might not be um, everything. They can pull the rug from under you at any point. And I wonder if part of that for me is having been made redundant and kind of trusted the company I worked for to kind of do right by me, even if that was the case, and kind of having the rug pulled from under me. I kind of, I'm very wary of. I'm not very trusting these days. <laughs> of putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, I'm not very trusting of companies because I know that ultimately companies of all sizes at some point, they will look after the company. And of course they will. If I was a company owner, that's probably what I would do too. But as a as a, an employee, or in this case as an author, and, or uh, an independent author, or even as an author, maybe maybe traditionally authors, traditionally published authors, sales being affected too, it's just much harder to tell. Mm. Um. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I've talked a lot about that. I don't know if you have any thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just I, we haven't got time for any now. It's just it's the end of the podcast already. It's amazing how time flies when you're dissing Amazon. I think we've achieved a lot. I'm not dissing Amazon. I'm not not at all. No, it's, I, it's, I, I, in the words of Bobby Brown, it's their prerogative. And um, and uh, and I think for some some authors, it can sometimes feel much like. Paula Abdul's Cats, where it's two steps forward and one step back. Did I say that last week? I feel like I've used the Paula Abdul reference about three times in the last week. Well, I mean, you had, the entire podcast, basically, you've been swilling around in the uh, eight, late 80s, early 90s. It's yeah. quite amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Well, that's it. You can find me on Twitter, at The Flying Poet, and, of course, on the hashtag WFYL. You can also find me on Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-O-O-M-E, and, um, and I'll be at hashtag WFYL too. Or if you have a question and you want to email us, then you can do that too. I'm Ian at writeforyourlife.net, I-A-I-N for Ian again. Um, and uh, I'll make sure Donna sees it too. Don't you worry about that. So feel free to... Hey, Thanks. That's great. <laughs> I have no idea what that behave was for. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Well, see you next week, eh? 